looking at our articles of faith, which we began a study on last Lord's Day, and we need to study them from time to time. Today we're going to look at the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is what makes God, God. I mean, it's, if he was not sovereign, he would not be God. Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, to the beginning. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And you can look at everything that goes on. There's betting that goes on. People like to make their predictions, prognostics whatever you want to call them. God simply declares what's going to happen and brings it to pass. Nobody else can do that. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. It's a call to sinners. In verse 13, I bring near my righteousness, and it shall not be far off. That's Christ. That's talking about the gospel. My salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. That's the great King, the Savior, Christ. We believe God is absolutely sovereign. There's many places in Scripture that attest to that. In the first Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 20, 29. First Chronicles 29 and 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is it is to make great and it is to give strength and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. <clears throat> you cannot really say any more than that. In uh, the book of Job, Job chapter 23. Verse 13, 
but he is of in one mind but he is in one mind and who can turn him and what his soul desireth even that he doeth for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me and many such things are with him he's made us he spoke the worlds into existence and he formed a man with his own hands as it pleased him. Psalms 103 and 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength. Now man is no match for an angel. We know they're there. God's word tells us they're there. And we're no match for them. But they excel in strength that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. And then they carry out his will like lightning. The book of Ezekiel tells about what we call Ezekiel's will. And... The beings there move like lightning. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worthy of all praise and honor. Psalms 115 and 3. <clears throat> but our God is in the heavens and hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Now there's a lot of people, as we know, man makes a God to his liking. It's how he thinks God ought to be and that would be no God at all. God is far above us in every way. Wherefore, wherefore should the heathens say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Now, a lot of people like to tell you, Why does God allow the wars and the trouble? He didn't start it. it wasn't his fault that man transgressed and rebelled in the garden. He's not the author of sin. Psalms one nineteen and 91. Uh, that, uh, Psalms 119 and 91. They continue this day according to thine ordinances for all of thy servants. It mentions the earth and all the generations in the previous verse. It is said about the earth that circuit that it goes on it has to tilt at precise times and you gotta figure how fast we're really flying through the universe about 64,000 miles an hour I think is what it is if God would take off his hand it would all fall apart because the balance on the earth is, is amazing everything has to be balanced when you're that big the size of the earth and rotating that fast 
all that he has created, the ordinances of the earth, the stars, and the sun, continue according to his ordinances, according to his word. That's amazing. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around such a thing. Isaiah 46 and 9. Did I read that? Isaiah 46 and 9. Yeah, we didn't read that. 40, 45. Turn back a page. 45 and 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Um, look at the creation. We read in the book of Romans, the first chapter, verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How did they get there? How did these mountains... To, grass, the flowers, the trees, the animals, we ourselves. Did we just happen? Order never comes out of disorder. They like to make you think, I mean, well, it's be, be like a wind blowing through a junkyard and making a 747 airplane. It ain't going to happen. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse they when they look that that's those so-called atheists and reprobates when they look at the creation and say those things just happen uh, i think it's been said that the human body is the most sophisticated machine ever created, and they say it has no cre creator or designer. The person would indeed be a fool to say there was no God. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? We don't even know our own mind, let alone his. Verse 36, For of him and through him and to him are all things. It talks about John's Gospel, the first chapter, he created all things. The book of Hebrews tells he framed the worlds. Nebuchadnezzar was an interesting character. We read about him in the book of Daniel. And it's mentioned also in the book of Jeremiah. I believe Ezekiel. Daniel Chapter 4, verse 35. We'll look more at Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar in the morning's message. But <clears throat> in uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, 
one of the greatest statements ever made by God, or of God, was by what we would call a pagan king. Uh, it was Nebuchadnezzar later saved, possibly. I, I can't answer that. But he wrote in Daniel 4 and 34, and at the end of the days, that's the days he was, seven years he was driven out to live like an animal. Lycanthropy, I think, was the illness he had. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? I mean, looking at us in comparison to God is like looking at ants crawling around on the ground. We're nothing. Reputed as nothing. Now, you have to look at behind the scenes. Nebuchadnezzar took nobody's word for anything. He searched out things himself and he whom he would he slew and whom he would he left alive God had to show him that he was just nothing but a mere vessel of clay and not even a good one which attests to God's mercy God has mercy upon whom he will, and whom he will he hardeneth. And this, I mean, if this is truth about God, and it is, he owns us and can do with us as he so pleases. He's appointed our days. He knows all about it. Does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. In the book of Romans, the ninth chapter, the army and don't don't care too much for this passage. Romans nine eleven for the children that was Jacob and Esau, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth. It's going to be done according to God's word. And it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And you've heard me say many times, see how much he hated him? Go read the first chapter of Malachi. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Now you ask most people in the world, what's Christianity? Christmas and Easter two pagan holidays. That's what the world esteems as 
Christianity had nothing to do with true Christianity. Christ said, Rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but that your names are written in heaven. If they're there, he wrote them there. And there's those that will tell you he gets out his pencil or pen and writes one name in No, that book was written before the foundation of the world. Once again, all according to his sovereignty. That's over in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the first chapter. Verse 3, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritually, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's where he puts our, put our names in his book. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Well, that sounds like it's that book was written before the foundation of the world. It's when he chose us in him. But he also says we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It simply pleased him to do it as he did it and carries it out as he will. He will have compassion upon whom he will have compassion. Whom he will, he hardeneth. He also went on to say that in that same ninth chapter of the book of Romans. Over in the book of Exodus, the third chapter and the 19th verse. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. He brought it to pass just like he said he would. If, I mean, we used to read that whole account there in the book of Exodus. As I mentioned there in the book of Romans, the ninth chapter, we read about Jacob and Esau. Verse 15, For he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, for Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Everybody has heard of the account of the children of Israel leaving Egypt. And everybody has heard what happened to proud Pharaoh. Egypt was destroyed and has never really totally regained her... I mean, at that time, it was the great nation of the world. It's never got back to that. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Showing his sovereignty. He can take the wisest and make them look dumb. He can take the dumb and make them look wise. That's God's sovereignty. And he brings these things to pass at will. A lot of... I mean, Scripture has many places that this bears this fact out. Romans 11 and 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. He works all things after the counsel of his will as we read early, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> well, verse, verse 34, Deuteronomy four thirty-four. Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation? Now, that don't happen. By temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, He is God. There is none else beside Him. Nations come up to... I mean, look at how America come to pass. People from all over the world just flocked here because there was freedom here. There's no particular race, just individuals, all colors, creeds. Israel was different. In Egypt, you had that. The, as we know the wicked try to get people to mingle, mix and mingle. God kept his people separate and took them out of a, an existing nation and led them, the people of Israel, to their own land that he gave them. I mean, everything about it. Only God could have worked it and brought it to pass. And that's, of course, exactly what he did. All according... To his own good pleasure. And I didn't read it, but there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. They were Jews. We are Gentiles. 
that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Over across the page in chapter 2, verse 11, Wherefore remember that ye being in the times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And that's the amazing thing about the church. It's Jew and Gentile alike. God brought this to pass and still bringing it to pass. We're still in the church age. Its days are dwindling down rapidly. And at the rapture, this reign of grace will end and everything will go back to law because it's Daniel's 70th week. The law is at the forefront. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Right now we're under grace. Deuteronomy chapter 29. I'll... Deuteronomy 29 and 29 tells us the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. He's revealed some things to us, but we know it plainly tells Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard what he hath in store for those that love him. We take it by faith. There are, what I'm saying is there are a lot of things that man knows, a lot of things that man does not know, that God will, God only can reveal them to us. All these things declare God's goodness and show God's glory. He allows evil to come to pass. We will be tried. Christ said in this world you shall have tribulation. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Romans again, chapter 11. Romans 11 and 3. This is talking about Israel. Let's look at verse 9. And David said, Let their table be made a snare and their and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the wicked. And I believe it's really pointing toward Judas. Those unbelievers, he's not really talking about Gentiles here. He's talking about unbelieving Jews. Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? 
we know that they, the Jews crucified Christ, and that's what I believe David is, is pointing to. Perhaps he saw that the Jews would crucify the Messiah. We know Daniel did. But it goes on to say, verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. He's not done with them. But rather that through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them into jealousy. Verse 15, for the, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be when they come back? But life from the dead, it's the resurrection. <clears throat> for if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy, and the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, that's the good olive tree branches, and thou being a wild olive tree, which is thus Gentiles, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, which no farmer would do that. I mean, you got a good olive tree, why do you want to make it inferior? Verse 18, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root bear thee. That's where we stand. We only have these things by God's mercy and grace. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. That's it in a nutshell. God's mercy endureth forever. It's we cannot fathom the depth of it. Proverbs chapter 16, 4 tells us God has made all things for himself. I mentioned that last Lord's Day. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. That's the only passage that Solomon wrote that's in our Articles of Faith. It's a true statement. He's made all things for his own glory. It's not about us, it's about him. And him being the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now Romans chapter 8 is considered the heart of the New Testament. A lot of people will read it, but then they'll tell you that, well, that, that, that thing about predestination, that can't be so. As we know, Scripture is all true. It stands or falls together. And it stands together. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, there's a lot of people who will say all things work together for good. 
it works together for the good of them that love God, those that are the reprobate, the lost. They have no hope unless God sees fit to send the Holy Spirit to quicken them. To them that are called according to his purpose, all things work together for the good. But those that are not called according to his purpose, he leaves them, in, and as the saying goes, the worst thing God can do for someone is absolutely nothing, leaving them alone. Verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first one among many brethren. Now, he chose us and predestinated us, but for a reason, for an end, that we be like his son. Verse, 20, verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. The called and the predestinated are one. And to whom he called them, he also justified. Keep also in mind, verse 29, we read, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. The same, these are all the same people. He foreknew these people. He predestinated these people. He called them. Verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, we're not glorified yet. In the sight of God, verse 17 of chapter 4, God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those saints which be not as though they were. It's good as done. When one disagrees with that, they're no different than the children of Israel that wouldn't take the promised land. He showed them his power, said take the land. They said we can't do it. That's unbelief. Whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we say then to these saints? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's what the children of Israel would not, could not see. Getting back to sovereignty of God, it's like I say, it's what makes God God. I mean, we can talk about the, the trueness, one true God. We can talk about His attributes. It all boils down to: Is He sovereign? Man doesn't seem to think God is sovereign. That's the problem with Arminianism. It makes man sovereign in the matter. Now, when Saul was struck down on the Damascus Road, as it's called, Saul thought he was doing right. And he was brought to realize that he was totally off the mark. Do we not see God's sovereignty in how he dealt with Saul? He said, he's a chosen vessel unto me. 
he would preach before many kings and many rulers, and he did. And only God could have brought to pass those things like he said he would. And Scripture is full of characters similar throughout. Zacchaeus. He had never seen Christ before. He got up in the sycamore tree and wanted to see him. Christ told him to come down. God was sovereign in the matter. Now, the world looked at Zacchaeus like he was he was a publican. They didn't like him. He's a child of grace. We read of Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened. He was sovereign in the matter. The rich man in torment, he left any sins. Anyway, that's a little bit on the sovereignty of God. If you exhausted the sovereignty of God, you'd have to exalt Scripture, and that's not going to happen, not by us. That's all I have for this morning. Thank you.